Welcome back to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Gorgeous singles, Jeanette here. So happy to have you with us today, especially because it is a very special month. Yours truly is celebrating my birthday on June 3rd. So happy birthday to all my fellow single, extroverted, charming Geminis out there. Live your life. We all get a birthday month to celebrate. So I hope you're having a great time. My guest today is a very badass woman working in the field of matchmaking. Actually, uh, that's kind of a disservice to her as she is a very badass CEO and founder of matchmaking company, Select Date Society. Amber, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and to celebrate my single birthday with me. Welcome. Happy birthday. I am Thank so you. excited to celebrate with you. <laughs> I'm such a selfish person. I'm like, let's talk about me. Who can I bring on the podcast and talk about me for a month? Um, oh, truly. So, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge something. Um, so I was looking back at our emails and you had initially reached out to me in the fall of 2020 after hearing another one of our matchmaker episodes with Ashley Campana of Lisa Clampett matchmaking, I think, which was episode 31, like 40 episodes ago, which wow. is just insane. So I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your patience because it took me a year and a half to get you on the podcast. So that's hundred percent on me. I am and so happy to be here. The best matchmakers are the ones that collaborate and we collaborate often with Lisa and her team. And so oh. I know Ashley well. And so, yeah, I was so excited to hear her as a guest in the past. Oh my gosh. Well, like I said, I, it's kind of like dating, like it's a metaphor, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's like you reached out to me a very long time ago. Like you could have easily written me off when I reached back out and be like, who is this lady? She, you know, she's been, she's been toying with my emotions. Am I coming on the podcast? Am I not being up? I don't want to be, I want to be the person that's like, I can't wait to have you. Um, so I, I appreciate and I don't take that for granted when I'm just sort of like, hey, it's finally time. And you're like, I'm still in. I have a lot of gratitude for you. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, so let's talk about you first. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a short little bio I'm going to read to familiarize the audience with you. Um, so I will read that if you don't mind. And feel sure. free to correct me if I am wrong on anything. Okay. Amber Lee is a certified matchmaker and certified strategic intervention coach with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. She has been a professional matchmaker since 1998. And in May of 2020, she co-founded Select Date Society, a luxury matchmaking service working with Fortune 500 executives, professional athletes, models, and other high-income earners and, quote, high-caliber singles. She's been featured on Good Morning America, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Newsweek, Cosmopolitan Magazine, The New York Post, Marie Claire Bustle, among many others. And this year, she was nominated as a Woman of Impact by the American Heart Association which honors change makers dedicated to making a lasting impact on the health of our community. So congratulations on that front, first of all. Thank you. Yeah, and actually they just announced I was the winner. Wait, you won and of I missed it? Yeah, oh it was. <laughs> so the Woman of Impact is a campaign the American Heart Association does every year, and it's based on like region. So okay. I was the winner for the Richmond, Virginia area. Congratulations. Thank you. Which also means, I mean, it really means that we did just a fabulous job fundraising. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> and like, so basically, yeah. I reached out to so many other matchmakers and love professionals and then my own network, you know, and clients and friends and family. And I was just like so overwhelmed by like, like the outpouring of support, like so many people were so generous. Um, and so that's something that we're really passionate about. Like we always tell people, our, we tell our clients, like while we take care of your heart, your membership, part of that is taking care of someone else's because as a company, we've committed to giving a portion of our quarterly profits to the American Heart Association. So it's a cause like we're super passionate about. That's so beautiful. Just like the, the metaphor of the heart. Like, yes. what a beautiful alignment. 
Um, yes. I think that's really special. So, and you deserve to win that nomination, except now they're going to make you fundraise next year, even more money. So, you know, I, they've asked me to be on the executive yeah, they, board I'm and sure share that. She is going nowhere. Yeah. Um, that's really cool though. And I, I think it's really special when anyone has a cause or charity or nonprofit, they champion and believe in, uh, whether or not it ties in so well with your branding. I think it's just just as to fill in the rest of your life. I um, I'm an actor, obviously, and I perform with a company called Only Make Believe, which uh-huh. is named after a song in Carousel. And we go into local hospitals and schools, and we do interactive theater for kids with long-term illnesses and disabilities under the. Oh sort my of, gosh, I love. Yeah, that. the umbrella feeling that or umbrella belief that imagination uh, or imaginative play and theater uh, is a healing agent. And I've been doing that since 2013, uh, and it's it's just another part of my life. And I, I don't know who I was before it. Like this brings yes. this brings so much value to my life, to who I am as an actor, to be able to give back. But to just go in the hospitals every day and be exceptionally grateful for the health and the skills that I have been given just by often kind of random genetics. You know, it's just like. That's it's awesome. really powerful to me. So I think it's always great when anyone has, like I said, something that they're championing outside of their business. You know, you're not just doing it because it sounds good on your resume. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just it's, it's important to you. And I think that's great. Good to you. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So let's get started. Tell me about your journey to co-founding your company with your partner, Sandra Myers. What drew you to matchmaking as a profession in the first place? And, you know, like what was the moment you just knew you had to strike it out on your own? So I have been a matchmaker my entire life. I will tell you, I went to college when I was 16. I was one of those kids that was just like smart and ambitious. And I thought I was going to be an attorney. I've always been like really good at negotiating and, you know, having those hard conversations. And so that was kind of my plan when I was 16. Well, when I was 18, I answered an ad in the newspaper way back when there were print newspapers with job ads. (laughs) And I... It was an ad for a receptionist at a matchmaking company. I So I planned on working there just for the summer uh, between semesters, and I ended up dropping out of college um, and started working full-time at this matchmaking firm, and I just never looked back. I was obsessed with like love and our clients and finding them their person, and so I've been doing it now for 24 years. Um, Sandra and I met when we were working for a big franchise company back in like the mid two. 2000s, I think like 2009. And so we've always had like these side talks about like, oh my gosh, we can do this so much better. And we've always had such great success for our individual clients um, and viewed it very different than like a big corporation kind of views the whole process. And um, so this is where the Heart Association comes in. So in May of 2020, actually it was Mother's Day. I'm a mom. I have a 14-year-old. Myself, my husband, my mother-in-law, and our daughter were driving to go put flowers on my husband's grandmother's grave. And I just had a sudden cardiac arrest while I was driving. I had no previous heart conditions. I didn't feel bad that day. Like literally my heart just stopped. It was like an electrical, like, you know, it just, the electrical part of my heart just stopped. And so I, I passed out. I went unconscious. I was the one driving. Oh so, so picture this, my foot's on the gas, oh my, God. my family's in the car. We drove over four lanes of traffic and hit a brick house head on. So thank God everybody else was okay. Like they just walked away with, you know, minor pains and bruises. I had to, um, first of all, a a good Samaritan stopped and thank God, like had a nursing background and performed CPR on me and emergency medical responders arrived within minutes. They had to use the defibrillator to shock me back. Um, I was on a ventilator for a couple days and unconscious. They had to repair my liver and spleen, like all this craziness. So all I know is I don't remember any of this. This has all been retold to me. I wake up in the hospital in May of 2020, you know, in the midst of COVID, this is like the height of COVID. And um, I just had this overwhelming sense that life is short. You know, what I was meant to do, I better get to work doing it because tomorrow's not promised. And so I was like, 
get my get my phone, get my computer. You need to call Sandra. Like we need to launch this. We need to do it. So behind the scenes, Sandra and a couple other really great friends and colleagues got to work, built the website. By June first, we were live. We I mean I was still broken ribs, could barely move, recovering, and we just went all in. Um, and we haven't looked back. Amber, holy cow. I know that's a lot, right? <laughs> I know, but I, I just want to also acknowledge your attitude about it. Like it's it's so positive. I mean, as you're telling the story, you're like laughing and you're 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 full of brightness and energy and hope. And it's not a sad yeah. story of like this horrible thing that happened to me, but this catalyst for change. Um, it's yeah. a very scary story, obviously, and I'm sure like you know there were times where you were not laughing about it. Um, right, right. Because I mean, that's really that's really terrifying. It's really scary on a lot of levels. So I, I just, I, I feel like I want to reach out and hug you <laughs> virtually when you're in the same room, just like, just for having to go through that experience, but also for, for using it, to share your story with other people. Obviously now I see the connection with American Heart Association, yeah. like brings it full circle for, for you. Yeah. But I really think that like the way that I, my outlook really impacts our clients and it's always been how I've approached like matchmaking and dating. Like you have to approach it from a place of hope. Yeah, and a, yeah. a place of optimism for sure. If you're looking for the bad, that's what you're going to find. Like you have to, you're going to find what you're looking for. So I always look for the good. Right. And, and a lot of people don't do that, which is right. <laughs> a lot of people are, which I think it's going to actually cut. We're going to come back to in this episode, but I think a lot of people, me included, like can get very worn down by this and very bitter about the whole thing and feel very victimized with, their situation, especially because it's not anything you can really control, right? It's a, a, right. like so much of it is sort of like, well, there's only a finite amount of things that I am in charge of. I can, I can control how many dating apps I'm on. I can control how much time I put into it. I can control um, the boundaries I put up for who to see and who not to talk to. But everything else is left us to chance, which is really hard. So it's hard to stay yeah. positive. It's hard to have a lot of hope and just be like, you know what? And I think that's partially like sort of a, a through line for this podcast, sort of like if I never meet my person and this is my life and it like, is that going to be okay? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It's great. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm okay with that. I'm a good human. I love my life. If it doesn't come to me, that's, it just wasn't in the cards. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Where you have to start with dating, you have to be happy with yourself and you have to be happy with yeah, where agreed. you are in life like before very, you're going to attract the right. That's very much like with. part of my mindset and my, my mantra for not just dating, but for the podcast too. So I want to ask you a question. Your business focuses on luxury singles, high income earners, and what you call high caliber singles. So can you define what a high caliber because I'm high I'm super high caliber. However, I'm uh how how shall we say uh low income. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the great thing about our business model, we're like executive recruiters for singles. So you don't have to hire us to be able to be matched by us. So we have this great network of singles who have kind of thrown their hat in the ring. They haven't paid us a dime, but they've said, Hey, I'm a high caliber single. I'd love to be considered as a match for one of your clients. Sure, yeah. Um, and so you know, they're somebody that we would look at. And then there are clients who hire us. Um, they're definitely high caliber in the sense that they're relationship minded, right? They're they're ambitious. They take care of themselves. Um, they're pretty well-traveled and cultured. Like they have, they check all they're the boxes. Catch. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. They're okay. definitely a catch. Um, and then also like we're expensive. Our programs start at 25,000. Our executive VIP Ooh. level clients are paying us 150,000. And so the clients that hire us. That's annual, right? Yeah. That's for their membership. That's, that's for their program. Yeah, okay. Yep. Got it. And Got it. so not only can they afford to hire us, but also like they put their money where their mouth is. This is a high priority mm. for them. And they're the type of people who are, you know, they're CEOs and executives who are used to outsourcing stuff. And so they're used to hiring professionals to get the job done. They hire us to get the job right. done, but it's also like something that's high value for them. Like they're really serious about finding their person. 
when did your clients follow you when you left your former matchmaking agency to create Select Date Society? No. Um, so the matchmaking world is full of non-competes and yeah, non-disclosures <laughs> and all of that. And so yeah. we really were starting um, from scratch. Although, so Sandra and I have both both been doing this. I think Sandra's been in doing this for 26 years, me 24 years. So we have a huge network, like everybody we know knows that we're matchmakers, right? And so clearly like anybody who knows anyone single is sending them our way. So it was, I mean, we build our network up at Select Date Society very, very quickly. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's, that's fascinating to me because yeah, um, I've, I, there's a lot of matchmaking companies. I've had them on the podcast, but it also seems like there's a finite bowl of humans that make that kind of money that can afford to hire a matchmaker, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And so we're working with, as a company, less than 50 clients at a time so that sure. we can really get them results. Like everybody on our team has been doing this for decades. So we have really experienced matchmakers that we take really good care of so that they'll stay with us. Um, and they really believe in our mission. They really are results oriented. I think so all matchmakers aren't created equal. So there are some companies that are like these big corporations where they incentivize their matchmaking team by like fulfilling contracts. So they say, hey, you get a bonus. You know, this client has a six date contract. When you get them out on their six dates, we'll give you a bonus. Well, that creates a culture where it's like almost like a meat market, right? Quota. Yeah, you're just trying to fulfill a quota and you really don't care. And so we've created a culture of such care and concern. Our matchmakers are bonus based on when clients go on hold because they're in a good, healthy relationship. So they get a bonus then. I love that. Yeah, and then they get a success bonus when some Somebody says, hey, I found my person and they give us a testimonial. Um, they got really big bonuses when they get testimonials with photos. So so we incentivize them to get people into relationships. And I can tell you, our clients see it like they know that we really, really care about their outcome. That's I love that. That's so great. I mean, you really do feel like you're a champion of these people and their lives and not just like hey, you're helping me pay my bills. Right, right. And we really are like, it's so fun. I can't even tell you how many times I wake up to a text message from someone on our team who's like, hey, Bill and Pam just sent this photo. You know, they're on their fifth date and they're so happy. Like we literally text each other photos of happy clients like all the time. That's so, that's so fulfilling. I feel like I could see I would, I love when, when my friends find someone, I love when my friends find someone that I suggested to them. So that's like a major dopamine hit for you. It (laughs) is. Every day you're like, I'm so happy and I'm so good at this. Like, it's just very empowering, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely. And it's so fulfilling. Like it's, it's very easy when you're working in this industry and you're working for a great company to like almost be obsessed. Sometimes my husband has to remind me like, Hey, you have to go on a date with me like because I'm so obsessed with like what's going on with our clients. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. So I know like the pandemic obviously changed everything. Are you located or are your clients located in a specific area of the country or have you sort of expanded that to embrace the nation now that someone could potentially go on a date like California to New York with virtual technology? Yeah, we've always been nationwide. And in fact, our whole team is remote. Everybody works from home nationwide. So we do Zoom meetings with our clients. And we're in most major metro areas. So, you know, New York, San Fran, D.C., like we're in all the major cities. Um, And we've seen that a lot. Like the pandemic has definitely changed the mindset. Like now people are like, focused on finding their person rather than finding somebody in their neighborhood. Uh, We have a client right now who's engaged. She's in, uh, well, she was in South Carolina. He's in Chicago. Now they're building a house in Denver. They're not even going to end up in either of their cities they started out in. Um, We have another, yeah, yeah. We have another client. She's in North Carolina. Um, The gentleman that she's with is in Virginia. You know, they're making, they're a lot closer, but they're making it work. So a lot of people are open to dating long distance. That's so fascinating. I I feel like that's like a huge value that you could never get from friends trying to hook you up or dating apps because 
I can't set my parameters to, to nationwide. Like, right. it would just be so overwhelming and insane, you know? Yes. Yeah. But yes. you're like, I know it's very, I have a very specific match for you out in Phoenix. Like how would, how else would I have normally met that person except that they, you know, the common denominator is you, you know, right. so that's, that's neat that you're like, let's, let's open up the world a little bit. What if your person lives in Guatemala? I don't know. That's an extreme example, but <laughs> I love that idea that like, you know, I'm dating in New York, which sucks. Like, no, everyone knows that. So I'm not even, that's not even part of a negative mentality. It's actually just a fact. Um, it's just, it's, it's really challenging to date in major metropolitan cities because of the amount of single people here. So no one actually, you know, Every, there's over casualization of, of dating because we have such a plethora. So, you know, and I'm, I'm stuck in, in the, in the boat of it. Like, I'm like, this is my city. These are my options. I have to date in New York city and I'm grateful that there are options, but it's also a little bit of a handicap. Yeah. I was in New York city last week. We had uh, the global love conference where matchmakers from all over the world come together uh, for a conference every year in Manhattan. And so uh, I just, the culture there, like people walk so fast. <laughs> they, they have their AirPods on, like they're not making eye contact and talking to each other. No, so I no, can no. definitely see how dating and like meeting people when you're out and about is challenging. Well, also just as a woman, you know, we have to put up boundaries and walls for our own safety. Like when I was, I was on the subway the other day and I was reading a magazine um, and I was going to a rehearsal and someone sat down next to me, a guy, and started reading the magazine over my shoulder. And I didn't look at him in the eye. I just sort of like, gave, you know, pulled away a little bit like, what the fuck are you doing, buddy? Right. And then uh, like showed my discomfort. Um, and then he said, is it good? And I looked up and it's someone I knew and he was fucking with me. But I was like, oh my God, you cannot do that to me. Like I literally, I was like, my heart was going so fast. This guy's going to be like a total creeper on the subway, you know? And he's like, you're right, you're right. I totally shouldn't have done that. But it was really funny. And I was like, okay, it was really funny. <laughs> you but know, still, I thought about that though. Like if you're in New York City, you're so trained to be like cautious because you're concerned about safety, don't right? Don't talk to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it really like, although you need to be that way to protect yourself, it really does limit yourself. For example, like I met my husband in the grocery store in New York City. Never, I don't know. I if never. I, yeah. Like you wouldn't just go <laughs> talk never. to a stranger in the grocery store. So if it's someone different. started talking to me in the grocery store, red flag immediately. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. This is not, not the time and place. I don't want to be talked to at the gym. I don't want to be picked up on the subway. There's like, I'm doing my business and there are times and places where I want to talk to people. But like, again... If, if I was less concerned about my safety in New York City, that would have been a, a, a cute little me cute story. Like someone sat down next to me on the subway and started talking to me about the magazine I was reading. And then we exchanged numbers. <laughs> but my immediate reaction was like, hey, asshole, fuck off. <laughs> so <laughs> let me ask you this. Yeah, yeah, would yeah. <laughs> you ever, would you approach a guy? Like if you saw somebody out and about and you're like, oh, he looks like my type or there's something about him. Would you approach him? I have. Not on the subway, though, because I feel like the subway is so transactional and it's such a short amount of time. Um, <clears throat> and then and mostly because people are in the mindset of like, I need to get somewhere or I need to go to work that they're not open to receiving if you will, like the energetically, it just doesn't feel right. Um, but there's some, there's a couple guys I've sort of eyed on the subway and then, you know, talked to should I just give him my number? Should I just give him a card? And then as I'm exiting, <laughs> you know what I mean? I've also been picked up on the subway and I didn't like it. Um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, that's absolutely part of the New York single equation is is circumstantial. Like you have to be, you have to feel safe. You have to feel ready and open, which we often or not. Right. Yeah. Just what it and is. we found a lot of men are very receptive. Like they actually really find it sexy when a woman approaches them. And so I always tell women, like sometimes you don't have to, like if you see somebody and you're just out at some random place, like you don't have to try to make eye contact and wait for him to come over, like make the first move. I yeah. think that, um, you know, all the rules are just so out the window nowadays. Agreed. I mean, I definitely... I hit on someone last summer at the pool. Awesome. Um, he was like next to me and I was, I mean, you're, I was like corner of the eye. I was reading. I was like, fuck that guy is hot, you know? And so, and then, but it still took me like a good 20 minutes probably. And, and if you're on the subway or if you're grocery shopping, you just don't have that 20 minutes. But when someone's sitting next to you at the pool, I finally was just like, you know, what are you reading? 
um, or something like that. Or like uh, he went he went to go swim. And when he came back, I was like, how's the water? You know, there's like a pool is a place where I feel open and safe. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> but, I can definitely you know, see that. If I'm going to my gynecologist appointment, please do not talk to me. No, <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not available. <laughs> I don't even care. Not in the mood. Um, so back to you. Um, so you told me in an email that you have more female clients than men, which I find super interesting because historically matchmaking agencies would work primarily with men to, um, I guess I'm talking kind of like 80s, 90s mentality of like to find them wives, you know, yeah, for better or for worse. It's interesting. I feel like you said 80s and 90s, like there were such sleazy matchmaking companies oh, where I, so it would great. be like, yeah, like these rich guys and there's this catalog of ma- model women. And yeah, so so we work with both men and women. Um, either one can hire us to be a client. I'd say it's probably 60, 40, slightly more women than men. Um, and I think that's number one, we get a lot of referrals from women. Like women meet somebody through a matchmaker and they tell all their single girlfriends and send them all our way. They sit in the, you know, salon getting whatever done and they're talking about it. Whereas men are a little more private about it. So I think that's where the numbers get skewed a little bit, but yeah, but it also, I mean, it's so it's changes every single day here as far as like numbers and what's going on. And yeah, it's definitely a very like fluid thing. Um, it's, it's weird because people always ask me about like demographics or like, you know, how many clients do you have or how many clients are in a relationship? And literally this is a world that numbers change every single day. So I always tell people like, don't hold me to this. This is kind right, of a rough right. idea. Of yeah. Yeah. But I do find that really Interesting. I, I just sort of, I feel generally speaking, women are more likely to seek help to improve their lives. So that means they're more likely to go to therapy. They're more likely to go to the doctor. They're more likely to ask for help in, in sort of any category in a general way. So I think it's sort of in line with that. It's like, well, I'm having trouble dating, but it's not embarrassing to me to be like, hey, I'm going to hire a matchmaker where there's still a stigma, I think, again, a generalization, but as a, a man to be like, I need, I need help, you know, or I need, I need someone to be working with me in this situation. But when I you would said agree that, with you. I, I would say, I don't think it's as simple. I was like, I wonder if it's, it's got, it's just about the fact that where we're at, and it's not a perfect world, but in 2022, we have more women working in the C-suite. So they're, they have more income to be hiring a matchmaker. Um, and, or that also means they have less time, which is the same thing as like men in the past would have hired a matchmaker because they, as you said, they delegate and they don't have enough time. So they have to bring in a matchmaker, right? So like now that we have more women making competitive salaries, not all women, guys, we're not there. But like now that we have some women making competitive salaries who are CEOs and working in the C-suite, you know, they're at the place that men were at in the 80s and 90s. I don't know that that's that's just a, a theory. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, those are absolutely the women that we work with. When you talk yeah. about like badass women, like, oh my gosh, I feel so lucky to work with the women we work with. We have, you know, one of our new clients last week, she's made, she's building a $10 million home. She works for one of the huge tech companies as an executive, like she's killing it. She's amazing. Um, you know, we have so many women entrepreneurs and business owners, like women who are super successful, ambitious. And that's, I think, partly why they have the mentality to reach out for help because they're like, look, I want to get the job done. I want results. I know you can get results. Like, let's do this. Yes. Yes. That's, I think that's really cool. You know, when you talk about progress and change is small in society, but if you can start to, you're like, oh, actually, hang on. We do see a little bit of a shift here. Maybe women are more in control and they're like, you know what? No. Find me a husband. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not sit around waiting to be chosen. <laughs> right. Find someone that I want. Yeah, exactly. I love right. that. I love yeah. that. Um, but you have like a personal connection to matchmaking, right? Isn't that how you met your husband? 
Well, I met him in the grocery store. So, but I will say I used my title as a matchmaker as kind of an in. So, Clever girl. Okay. Yeah. So the interesting thing, my husband is visually impaired and so he couldn't see me. And so I was like, fuck, I have to make the first move. He's so handsome. Like he, you know, he's like probably the tall, dark and handsome guy that most women would be like, ooh. And he happened to be, he's a speaker. He happened to be coming back from a speaking engagement that day so he's like got his jeans and blazer and just really sharp looks good yeah yeah he's a good dresser anyway so um I'm like wow like look at him I'm looking and I see no wedding ring that's the first thing I look for I literally walked out I was at the checkout and he was waiting for an assistant to help him um I saw him and I walked out of the grocery store and I'm not a woo-woo matchmaker at all but literally like something came over me and I just felt like oh my gosh like I am meant to know that person. I am missing out on this opportunity. I turned around. I mean, talk about, I didn't take 20 minutes like you were saying right. at the pool. <laughs> like I, in that instant, like I felt it. Like I felt the you universe felt say, yes, I, I have that. to go talk to this person. Turned around, went and found him. And um, I just said, hey, like I'm, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm a matchmaker. Are you single? And he just smiled and said, well, are you? And then, you know, hey. we just started talking. <laughs> Good line, my friend. Yeah. Yes. That's clever because if, if it had gone wrong, if he had been like, yes, and happily so, leave me the fuck alone. I'm grocery right. shopping lady. Um, yeah. Then I've been, been, been like, Yorker. okay, no worries. Then you could have been like, oh, I just, I had a client I thought, you know, right. would be great for you, but like NBD, sorry, have a great day. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. clever. That's, I'm going to, maybe I'll just go up to people and tell <laughs> I mean, I will be honest with you. I've used this podcast many times to try to, I've brought people, anyone who listens constantly will know, like I've actually brought former dates on the onto podcast. the podcast. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that's great to be like, Hey, I do a podcast on singles. Like, are you single? Like yeah. what a great opener. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not above it. I'm not above it. <laughs> um, well, so this is, uh, speaking on that topic, um, so when we were emailing, you did share that that story with me, and I, uh, you recommended. We talked a little bit about this, um, watching the Netflix show Love Is Blind. Did you watch it? So we can can we get into this because I have a lot yes, of thoughts. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, okay, so the first big thought that I want to talk about is the concept of the one, especially because I think I, th- I saw some language on your website that you use about finding the one, and obviously this is. I think this is a concept that society is selling us this concept. There is one person for everybody and you just have to go find them. Well, I think the one could be one of many, like any, any person could become the one. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Because, well, I just, the things that, that, that like kind of, and this is probably why I didn't watch the show. Although I, I will admit I'm not even a closeted, but like hardcore bachelor, bachelorette watcher. Um, but oh my gosh, love is blind is so much better. I like it, (laughs) but they are still selling this idea of, um, of getting married, of getting engaged. Like that is the end goal. After 10 days of knowing somebody, the goal is to get and get, and I know they do that for like reality TV purposes. Cause there needs to be like, uh, like, why are we all doing this? You guys are just going to leave the show and talk for, for another three years. That's boring. Like there has to be a high stakes game, but this isn't the only show, you know, there's 90 day fiance. Um, I think uh, married at first sight. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This concept of like, like of, um, this forced concept of of finding a person and and sealing the deal and that's something that really bothers me because i really just i don't think life should be driven towards marriage as an end game like i don't think that that is the ultimate achievement of life and certainly that's not why i'm dating to like get married and people i talk to and bring on this podcast are the same way you know we're just sort of like why is everybody obsessed with this idea that like oh if you get engaged if you get married you won yeah you You know I agree with you so Mike and I uh, were in a relationship living together for 11 years before we got married and you know what the funny thing is we only got married after I had that heart scare and it was partly because in the hospital I was like oh my god who do I want to make medical decisions for me do I really want my mom oh, making those decisions yeah and it just made sense I mean not the to make it not romantic but it just made sense we're like yeah when things get serious like we want to be each other's person 
person to sign off on stuff. Um, but for us, we talk about that a lot because he works in the relationship industry too. And we talk about like marriage is not the end all be all. We have so many people that we see in unhappy marriages. Right, exactly. You know, I, I always tell clients like focus on finding your person. Like if you're dreaming about the wedding and the dress, you're, you're really not looking at it realistically. Like you need to look at like, who do I want holding my hand when I go through some shit? Like, who do I want there by my side? It's really about, and that's why I kind of like Love is Blind because in the concept, like clearly finding somebody and marrying them in 10 days is ridiculous, but the basic concept that love and relationships are so much more about like how you feel with that person and are you aligned on your core values versus is he six foot tall um, with a chiseled jaw, you know? So I think it gets people starting to think about things that are way more important in relationships than just the physical. Yeah, which I love. Which I although I mean, the cast was all gorgeous, it's like that's, I know that's, that's what it's I was kind thinking. of. Yeah, it's like okay, nobody's gonna meet somebody and be like, "Wow, you're really ugly." Like, you know, it would have been an actual, real, interesting experience if they had people from a variety of humanness. Meaning, like plus size people would have been nice. Um, I was thinking it'd be interesting. Like, what if they had someone who was sixty five? Like someone that you just like, you know, they had someone who was twenty four. But like, what if you had someone that you really wouldn't you would write off immediately you know um or someone with a physical disability would have been and nice to see that as well but you know maybe I'm asking too much from reality tv so I I mean I do love that they I wrote down this sentence that says they say it right off the top psychologists believe that it is an emotional bond that attracts you not physical which I think I agree with um here's the sticking point this was another quote that someone said it makes such a huge difference when there's no distractions and you can focus solely on finding love. We spend every minute of every day talking about dating. Things that take place in a date here may take months in real life. So I'm thinking, I was like, you know what? I don't even think that this is actually about not being able to see your partner. That's part of it. But I think it's really about the fact that in real life, it's really fucking I've been da- I've been talking to this guy for over 30 days and we cannot align our schedules. Like that is the real shit that's going so, down. Yeah. You know? So same with The Bachelor. Like the relationships don't yes. work out because you get back to real life and it's not like this, oh, like lovey dovey, like, oh, let's just focus on us. You have a job and kids and all the other in families. Yeah. I absolutely agree. So that's why reality shows it's like you're in this bubble. Um, but it's so interesting. <laughs> Married at first sight, I'm obsessed. Like I love when Dr. Cal sits down and like coaches couples. It, you know, it's just fun to watch. Yeah. Well, and then I so I had this aha moment kind of where I was like going back to the idea of like, well, what if we actually just intentionally focused on the dating aspect? Like it seemed like people were so ready to find someone, and then without the distractions, it came very easily to them. And I kept thinking, I was like, well, what if that is the problem? Like maybe you just need to have permission to be in love or to have permission to be in love with the feeling of love, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Have you read um, the book on How Not to Die Alone by Logan Uri? No, but I made a note of it because... you mentioned so her book and I immediately was like, I have to read this. It's yes. on Audible. It's I totally great. tagged it and I was like, oh, interesting. This sounds right, right in my world. Yes. So one of the things she talks about, she, she was a speaker at the matchmaking conference that I went to. She talks about encouraging singles to look for the slow burn rather than the spark because so many people Mm. they're expecting it to be like the bachelor all these shows where you see like the spark and there's instant chemistry and people end up like getting obsessed with that feeling of like you know when you're in a new relationship the first few months it's like so much dopamine you're like hi and really the relationships that last are the ones where it's more of a slow burn like you have a really solid friendship and then all of a and you're like, oh, I think I love this person. And so it's interesting. I really feel like the approach you take, the way you view love really impacts like how you date. A hundred percent. And I think like diving a little more deeply into my hypothesis here, I wonder if that's not the reason why all of us are single. I say all of us because it feels like so many people, but what I also mean is like this community, my community in New York, the people of the podcast um, or people who have been podcast guests, the idea that like we just don't have the time or the attention span to devote 
to a person to have a slow burn. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of singles, and I'm not saying that you fall into this, but a lot of people fall into the trap of they're so obsessed with like romance and love and they want like this really cute story about how they met or they want somebody to like sweep them off their feet. I always tell people like if somebody was like so freaking charming and like an amazing first date that they're probably not a great like red, partner. red flag. Yeah, huge red <laughs> that was flag. Too good to be they're true. Probably, yeah, they're a serial dater. Like they know how to be a great date, but do they know how to be like a great long-term partner? Probably right. not. Well, that's the trick of it, right? And this is where I go in circles with myself is that most of my first dates do not go to second dates. And my friends are like, well, what happened with that date? And I will say it was it was fine, but I'm not looking for a fine. Meaning like I got together with someone. We had a nice conversation for an hour and a half and then I left and I didn't feel the impulse to either take that person's clothes off, kiss them, or learn more about them. So for me, I'm just checking in with myself and being like, nothing is jazzed about this person. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not curious about them. I'm not excited to see them more. I don't, I'm not, it's not there for me, right? I think you're making a huge mistake because <laughs> on no! first, seriously, on first okay. dates, number one, men are more nervous than women. Women always think that the, it's the opposite, but men are so freaking nervous. They're never themselves. They never let their guard down. They're so like uptight and it feels like a job interview because they're, they're so freaking nervous of like, for one thing, like the, with the Me Too movement and everything, they're so scared of like doing the wrong thing. Thing, saying yeah. the wrong thing and so it's really hard to feel chemistry because they they're not flirting like no they, they no, want they're to, not right but yeah so I would say retrain your brain tell yourself you are somebody who always goes on second and third dates no matter what even if you don't feel chemistry you're somebody who always gives somebody a second and third date when you start doing that you're gonna find that date two date three you're they're gonna start flirting you're gonna start feeling chemistry because it's just not gonna happen on date one it's not Mm, mm. it has happened on first dates for me it has happened but most of the time I'm like "Eh, I feel I don't want to leave a date feeling neutral you know what I mean? Like, I just want to be, but doesn't you have will. to be a physical attraction. One, like, even, like, I think about my husband, like, he's so freaking silly. Like, he has this, like, really great, playful sense of humor. But, like, on our first couple dates, I didn't see that because he was trying so hard to impress me and be, like, mm. buttoned up and proper and, you know, not offensive. And now, like, he's the funniest person I know, but I probably would not have saw that side of him, like, on the first date for sure. Okay, Amber, I'm going to make a birthday pledge for you. Do it. Do it for the whole month of June. (laughs) Yes, that's what I was going to say. For the month of June, I will give everyone a second date outside of somebody who's just so creepy and offensive. But, you know, a normal person, go on a second date. I was actually going to say I might expand that to the summer because, like, even just getting a first date at this point has been really tricky. Like, just there's tons of people that match me and then never respond. (laughs) You know, that's how it goes. <clears throat> so there's a major, major drop off from people that that are interested, but actually don't ever use their vocabulary to continue a conversation with me. And then there's people that like like this situation where I can talk to them for weeks. And then this guy at least has asked me out on dates and I've been unavailable. But sometimes there's been months gone by and no one's even asked, like, do you want to? get off this thing so the the amount of times we actually get off the damn app and into the real world are few and far between I don't know I, mean, I can't guarantee I'm going to have a date in June is what I'm saying yeah so I will expand summer. that for I summer that. yeah I will I'm promising all y'all are hearing me as witnesses I am promising that if I have this is the saddest statement ever if I have a first date this summer please Jesus send me something if I have a first date this summer no matter how it went I will a hundred percent absolutely have a second date with them. And you have to give an update. If you go on date number two and you feel something <laughs> okay. like developing beyond what was on date number one, like you have to share like your okay. insight from that. I will. I will share that with our listening audiences and I will let you know as well. Awesome. Just we're doing our own love is blind experiment. I don't know what we want to call it here, <laughs> but this is another social experiment. Let's have second dates is what it's called. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Let's have second dates and see and see if I'm wrong about connect. You have to connect. This is my thing. And this is all right. This goes back to the show. Um, you know, so there the whole point is having an emotional connection before you have a physical connection. But someone did make a comment that was like someone asked someone, how important is a great sex life before you get married to someone? And I was like, I think it's massively important 
So these people are getting married without even having kissed each other. They don't know if they relate to each other sexually. So even though we want to take the physical attraction out of the equation, it can't not exist. So what you're actually hoping for is that they connect emotionally first and then they are sexually attracted to each other, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the two definitely go hand in hand. I mean, the opposite is true. I'm sure you have, and we've all been in relationships where you had great sex and then like the person pisses you off or does something and you know, you're mad at, and then all of a sudden you don't have that emotional connection. And so your sex life changes. So I think, yeah, you definitely have to have a full connection, both sexually and emotionally. Yeah. I never, um, I've been spewing my theories about the show, but I never paused to actually ask you. I mean, I heard you say that you like it and you think it's fascinating to watch, uh, especially as a, the social experiment of believing that people should be connecting emotionally and value-based connection versus the physical and the exterior. But do you have any other thoughts or theories that you want to share about the show? No, I just think, I think that it just, like the, yes, it's a, it's reality TV and it's highly scripted and, you know, right. whatever. But I do think the concept is fascinating that love is blind because it does go beyond like the physical. I um, I can't even tell you what percentage of women tell me they want a guy who's over six foot tall. Like probably 99% of women say that. So the re- Yeah. The reality is 14% <laughs> of men in the U.S. are over six foot tall. Right, so exactly. like, um, and so, you know, people fall in love with the guy who's five nine and and live happily ever after all the time so I think it's just fascinating to like have people really think about like how they feel with somebody like what the vibe is before they see how tall he is um I just think um the concept is really interesting even like I said my husband's visually impaired and so our relationship sometimes like you know if I am like in work mode and focused and like, don't talk to me. I've got to get stuff done and just very dismissive of him. He'll be like, wow, like you're really unattractive to me right now because he can't really see how I look, but he can feel it. And so he always tells me that. And so I'm like, wow, it'd be really easy for me to like seem like a supermodel to him. All I have to do is be like super nice. So it's, it's just funny. We play with that concept all the time of like how you like are physically attracted to somebody beyond just sight. What is attractiveness? That's fascinating. Yeah. The other thing about the show that pissed me off was like, they only, you know, if you Google cast members, season one, love is blind. It's all the only content you could find is the the couples or the people that ended up, you know, trying, trying to get me. And I was like, yo, there were like 28 people on this series and some of them never got airtime. Like, what about their story where they tried this social experiment and it didn't work for them? I want to hear from them. Me too. And there, I know there were like a couple women who were probably not like as skinny as like what you know, normal American men look for. And I would be so interested in hearing like what their experience is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So no offense, Amber. I don't know if I'm going to continue watching it. (laughs) (laughs) I will still think it's a fun, like, no, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It also kind of, I, I think I also personally have a hard time with dating shows because then all sorts of emotions come up with me when this woman's like talking about how she's 34 already. And I was like, honey, Yeah. Like I'm also, I'm 41 or like, like, what does that say about me? Or, you know, it just, it's triggering in a way that (laughs) the bachelor or the bachelorette is not because I have a lot of schadenfreude for (laughs) like, I watch that and feel better about my life. I'm like, Oh, these people are a mess. A a hot mess. (laughs) And they're 23 and they're all talking about having babies. I'm like, girl, go get your life together. So, but because as you said, the people on love is blind were like a little more normal, like regular folk. Um, maybe that's why like it just, I don't know. There's something it's because dating and being single is so close to my heart and so much part of my identity. It's a little, it's a little hard to watch. And, and those questions come up, you know, where you're going, okay, well, I, I thought I was good, but now am I good? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I would say I'm not a big TV watcher. I, when you do watch TV, like do watch whatever brings you joy. I feel like TV exactly. should be like something that's so mindless and like, you know, like right. just something that you feel happy watching for sure. Do, like, do I want to be reminded that I'm single? Watching right, right. Maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, and then I'll just say one last thing about it. Um, did you ever watch Ted Lasso? <clears throat> so 
I watched both seasons of Ted Lasso and what is Ted Lasso? It's a TV show? Yes, yes. It's on Apple TV. Okay. And um, it's about an American football coach who is recruited to coach a English football team, meaning soccer. Okay. Um, it's 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 great. It got a lot of awards, but there's an aspect of it where the woman who owns the team, they're sponsored by a dating app called Banter. And the setup of banter is that it's only, it's text-based. There's no photos. And the comedy setup, of course, is that she matches with one of the football players. And then they realize it and they're like, oh, this is, we can't do this. And then they, you know, fall into bed together. But I was like, why isn't there an app that's text-based? That's like, you have to actually use your words (laughs) and flirt a little bit and have some banter before you decide to go on a date. There should be. You know, there probably is. It just probably hasn't like reached like mainstream. I feel like there's all kinds of dating apps. I know there's one where it is based on like the fact that you can't see each other. It's something like blind dating. I don't know what it's called, but it's in that concept. And like the more you talk to each other, like your picture, like little parts (gasps) of it appear. That's so cool. Yeah, there is something like that. And I cannot remember the name of it, but it for sure I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go hunt. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that. Just have someone actually, like I said, use use their vocabulary. Use their words, yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired of you liking my photos. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Amber, keeping in line with uh, the theme of my birthday month here, um, in our last final moments, I thought I would just volunteer myself to get into the hot seat a little bit, make this a little more personal. Let's pretend I'm interested in becoming a client of yours. Where would we start? You know, we would start probably with a conversation that you wouldn't have with everybody, but I really like to take a deep dive into where somebody comes from. So like how they shape their core values, especially around love and relationships. So we start with talking about like your childhood, your parents' Mm. relationships, like what you grew up thinking about love and relationships and who your role models were. So that's kind of where we start. Um, but then I would also just ask you, like, what 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 does love look like for you? Like, I know you kind of mentioned, like, marriage isn't the end-all be-all, but, like, if you had to paint a picture five years from now, you're in, like, the best relationship of your life, what what would that look like? Oh, wow, that's that's a great question. I'm not sure that I've ever allowed myself to fully visualize that um and that's probably a session for another time with a therapist maybe (laughs) but I think the thing that I really want in my life um I you know and I don't want this to sound cliche because I I hear a lot of these things all the time I hear that people want someone that champions them I want someone that challenges them that can hold a conversation with them um for me in my New York life New York life Um, it doesn't necessarily look domestic in terms of like marriage, quote unquote, settling down, children, dogs, things like that. But I do want someone to, I do want someone to engage with me on an intellectual level that can also be part of my world. So what that means is like, I love to spend time exploring on the weekends and going uh, to different things, going to museums and going to shows and and going hiking in nearby parks and going to the beach and um, traveling uh, and having a companion to do that with who is socially intellectual and intellectually curious. Not someone that approaches life as like, well, we've never done this before or I've never done this before, so let's give it a try. And socially intellectual means like, like if I go to a networking party or an after party or a premiere party for something in my, my world, that that person can come to this party and I don't have to babysit them. <clears throat> they can, yep. you know, I'm like, they, they can, can hold go their make own. Friends. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that we're, we're buoying up each other in our own individual lives, but in that way, supporting each other to be the best people that we can be. Yeah. Do you see yourself living in New York? I do. I do. I very much feel that this is my city and this is my future. And that I think also is a, is a trick. It's a tricky challenge because like what if I met the, the person of my dreams and they're on vacation and they're like, I live in Denver. Like would I leave, would I up and leave New York City to go live in Denver? I don't think so. 
Well, he can move to New York. Well, you know, obviously. you need. Yeah, yeah. You need. You know, I see you with somebody like who's not a, a New Yorker, but somebody who could totally live there. Um, I think your guy's going to come from, you know, growing up somewhere else or going to college somewhere else, and maybe is in New York yeah. now. But yeah, you need well, like a transplant. In, yeah, well, most, most people, people are. in New York. Yeah, <laughs> are not born and raised. They're like they right. come from somewhere else. But um, I think what I'm describing, if I can sort of be a little clearer is more of an approach to life um, than describing a specific lifestyle or mentality. So after you go on a first date with somebody, are you asking yourself the questions that are related to like where you see yourself with a partner? Like, are you asking yourself, like, did I feel more energized after the date as opposed to, you know, when I started the date? Um, How did that person make me feel? Did I feel like curious about him or was he curious about the world around? Like, are you asking those questions or are you just asking like, oh, was there chemistry? Did I want to kiss him? No, I actually, I'm so glad you asked me that. I actually have Sometimes when I leave a date and I'm like, not sure how I feel, I check in with myself and I have these five questions that I ask myself. And one of them is, did he make you feel desired? So that's, again, a feeling. It's not, did I desire him, but did he make me feel desired? One of them is, am I curious to learn more about him, his life, his background, his family, his lifestyle. Like, do I have questions? Like when you meet that person and you're like, okay, I can I, I want to know more about you and what makes you tick like that energy that you talk about. Um, one of them is, did he make me smile? And the sort of like sub question to that is, did he make my eyes dance? And I love that question because only, you know, what that means to you. Right. But for me, it is a very specific, like when I'm with a guy that I'm into, I can feel my eyes change, if that makes sense. And then and the last question is, did he disarm me? Because sometimes I think I come in with a very, a very strong energy, very straightforward energy. I'm a conversationalist at heart. I interview people. I come in. I'm in control. I'm like, I know I give good first date, right? Yeah. But when I meet guys <laughs> that, that get me off my game, it's uh-huh. fucking sexy. I'm like, oh my God, he threw me. He threw me and I didn't even know, I didn't know how to respond to him. I didn't know. That's thrilling. That's exciting. Yeah. If I yeah. felt, if I felt like I was not in control in the date, uh, we got it. We got to see each other again. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? I think that some of the guys that probably could disarm you, they're so guarded themselves because they're trying to be like, follow the rules and you know Mm. they're trying to be the good guy so I'll tell you this I have a couple right now they're engaged they're freaking adorable they're so in love and after the first date she didn't want to go out with him again and the reason she told me was he was too nice she's like he was too nice I could walk all over him and I was like okay and the first date, of course he was too nice. Like that's what men are supposed to do. They're supposed to be yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. But I think as women, a lot of times, because we are attracted to the guy that has a little edge to him, mm-hmm. if they're too nice and we feel like we could run the show and walk all over him, we're like, oh, nope, next. But you know what? He he definitely can run the show and he definitely has control. But she needed like three dates to see that side of him. And so she, against our advice, like we literally are our whole team had to talk her into it, went out with them again. And now they're like living their happily ever after. And I think that's what this will do for you this summer, giving somebody a second and third date. Like you'll start mm-hmm. to see more of those first date questions you have, which are great questions, by the way, but you'll start to get different answers from the second date. If you ask yourself those same questions again, you're going to feel differently. I'm very excited about this experiment. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> And then hopefully maybe someone will film me and we'll turn it into a show. Oh my gosh, that would be great. (laughs) I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Love, love is blind. What did I call it? I gave it a name. I don't know. It should be Jeanette as a second dater. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We're going to work on it. It's working. It's being workshopped, you guys. We're going to come up with a better title. Work in progress right now. Um, Amber, it's been so awesome to have you on the podcast. And again, I'm like, you're so gracious to have such patience with me as I 
you know, try to run this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And listen, Jeanette, I want, I want you to put yourself in our network, put yourself in our free network, go to selectdatesociety.com. Done and done. Fill out the inquiry form, upload your photos. I'd love to be able to consider you as a match for someone. Hell yeah. Why would I? Yeah, that's, that's yes. And to all of that. I'm okay, excited about awesome. that. And I would love to be part of your network. And, you know, I, I get such wonderful energy from you. So if you're behind that, like I'm on board. If even if you were just like, you're going on this date with this guy, he lives in Australia and we're paying for the flight. I'm all, I mean, that's, I don't know. I'm getting weird, but I'm just saying it's like, if you believe in something like I, I feel like I would follow you. I would be like, I believe you see something that I don't see. I believe in your vision. So and that's why matchmaking works. It really does. If the yeah. matchmaker takes the lead and the client trusts them and believes in them, that's where the magic happens. Absolutely. Well, it's so easy to see why you're successful and why your clients love you. Congratulations on the, all you've accomplished so far and your your gorgeous life story. Uh, I couldn't be more grateful to have you here with me and to share your work with others. And um, I, I assume it's okay if anyone who's listening to the podcast can join the database as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Open, Go to selectdatesociety.com. Yep. And Jeanette, I'm so excited. I'm going to keep listening to hear how your summer dating experiment goes. <laughs> I have an accountability partner. Yes. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on all it. Right. I'm excited. Well, thank you again, Amber. You guys, if you like this episode, if you are curious about matchmaking and being part of a network of matchmaking, log into Select Date Society and, and see if you can maybe like change the energy of your dating life. I don't know, maybe do a social experiment of your own. Report back to me how it goes. Either way, thank you for listening so much. As always, we're over on hashtag single pod on Instagram. Join us for more fun conversations. And that is it for this episode. We will catch you next time. 